0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Reading Materials Podcast, a podcast where two friends get together every couple of weeks and read a book, then talk about it on the show. My name is Cory, And my name is Lucia. And we have another slightly different episode for you today, but first, how are you?
1: I'm good. We are still in Cyprus, but we're only here for another week. So, winding down trying to see as many people before we go, so it's been social, social, social. Yeah, nothing really new to him. report since last week. How are you?
0: I'm good. I am unexpectedly on maternity leave. Got signed off work for just pain. Baby's getting very heavy, and I'm loving it, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I thought it would be, I thought it would mean that I could get loads of reading done, but, uh, so far, I've just been crafting, mostly.
1: Mm-hmm. Are you making lots of stuff for the baby?
0: Not loads of stuff, to be honest. I've made some clothes and some blankets. But while he's really small, I don't want to make too many things because he'll grow so quickly mm-hmm. that he won't fit into it for very long. So it feels like wasted effort. Mm. And then I kind of just want to see see how things go. So I'm doing quite a lot of Christmas crafting at the moment, just making things for family because it's been a while since I gave them all knitted stuff. So I think I probably can stand to do it again. Whereas if there were a few years where you could see it was like ugh, another knitted hat from Corey, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm inflicting that torture on them again. Okay. So that is my big news.
1: I love how, you know, in five months, six months' time when this episode airs, as we've already said, this will be old news. But
0: Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs>
1: Gosh, it is mad. It is, yeah. So, what did we read for today's episode? Well,
0: we, we sort of read To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. And we have another DNF the second week in a row. Yep. I hope we're not going to make too much of a habit of it, but basically, uh, I just couldn't. I just couldn't carry on. Mhm. That's fair. Neither could I. Um... Yep. <laughs> it wasn't even like Emma, where I was like, I want to read this, but I don't have enough time. Yep. Yeah. So shall I tell you a bit about Virginia Woolf, and then we can, then we can get into it. Yep. Yeah. Cool. So, Virginia Woolf. She was born in 1882, and she died in 1941. She died by suicide. Mm-hmm. She was bipolar and had some pretty severe mental health episodes during her life. Although at the time they didn't diagnose it as bipolar, so that's what it would have been had she been around now. She was, I think, there was it was a family of eight, and her family were pretty academic. She went to King's College London, the woman's branch of it. And her family established the Bloomsbury Publishing Group, which is incredible. It's one of the largest publishing houses in the world, I would say. Wow. Okay, cool. And then she married Leonard Wolfe and established the Hogarth Press, which I haven't heard of. But I think, again, it's another publishing house. Mm hmm. She was also bisexual. She had romantic relationships with other women, one of whom was Vita Sackville-West, who was author and also an author and published through the Hogarth Press. Um, and both of their novels were influenced by their relationship. Oh. She was a pretty academic lady, Virginia Woolf. Uh, her full name is Adeline Virginia Woolf. Uh, She pioneered the stream of consciousness form of writing, Mm -hmm. which we will talk all about shortly, I imagine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't actually look up how many books she published. There were three listed, but they were her most famous ones. I kind of forgot to look that bit up. I did quite a lot of sort of reading around the book and how it, ties in with her life because this is her most autobiographical novel. Mm -hmm. So there's quite a lot that happens in it that reflects really truly what happened in her real life. So her parents had a lease out on a house in St. Ives and for ten years or more they would go there for their summer holidays but St. Ives is in Cornwall and from their house you could see a lighthouse so that is the direct inspiration for the setting of this novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her mother died when she was 13. We haven't quite got to... Well, I certainly didn't get to those plot points. Um, if we both managed to stop at the same place, which we'll discuss again, mm-hmm. I imagine you haven't either, but I'm not sure how much more I have to add about her. Did you find out anything, or...? So I
1: just read the Wikipedia page and to be honest I didn't read all of it because it's really, really long, which was quite surprising to me. But yeah, the main points that I found was that her parents, for both of them it was a second marriage when she was born, and they had children from their first marriages, and it sounds like she had a pretty troubled upbringing as well. Because there was some sexual abuse yep. from her stepbrothers and other male members of the family, which was, yeah, really upsetting. And I, I didn't know that about her at all.
0: Mm-mm.
1: But yeah, I mean, it lends to the theory that that's when all of her mental health issues kind of started, because mm. apparently the first instance was at the age of six so it's pretty grim yeah really grim i didn't really read much else to be honest these -hmm. are just kind of main points that stuck out to me i don't think she had any children of her own
0: no i can't i don't know how many spoilers there will be for this novel Mm. i did read the synopsis but if you haven't read it and you would like to avoid spoilers then i would recommend stopping now reading the book, and then continuing with this podcast. But given that we got to about 30% of the book, (laughs) I'm not sure how much in-depth stuff we will be spoiling. Much like with Emma last week, yeah,
1: we got to the end of chapter 10 of Mm -hmm. To the Lighthouse. So we will be discussing those 10 chapters, I suppose, in depth. And I personally didn't read up on... What happens after this point? I don't know if you did.
0: I did, because I have no intention of finishing this novel. Okay. Um, so I can spoil it for you. Yeah,
1: I'm happy enough for you to tell me once we get into the discussion what actually happens.
0: Cool. All right. Do you have the blurb? I don't, actually. Let's... That's the one thing I forgot to look up, despite my preparedness. I even bought this one. I'm raging about it. Oh. <sighs> okay. So, this is the blurb from Goodreads. Mhm. To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. The serene and maternal Mrs. Ramsay The tragic yet absurd Mr. Ramsay, and their children and assorted guests are on holiday on the Isle of Skye. From the seemingly trivial postponement of a visit to a nearby lighthouse, Woolf constructs a remarkable, moving examination of the complex tensions and allegiances of family life and the conflict between men and women. Sure. That's it.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So...
1: Based on the first ten chapters, Corey, what star rating would you give this moving uh, book? This is
0: getting a one star, and if I could give it zero stars, I probably would. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is um, very fair. I think I am uh, of much the same opinion. Yeah. This is the first time that I'm going to give a book one star since Foundation. Mm. So... Well done, Virginia Woolf, for (laughs) being up there with Isaac Asimov in our eyes.
0: Yes, I think this is, I have never found a book as just, I don't think it's a bad book. It clearly isn't, because it's it's listed as one of the top 100 novels of the time, Mm -hmm. of all time. But I just, I just hated it. I hated it. It's not for me. Mm -hmm. My primary emotion whilst reading it was
1: frustration and just boredom. Yep. We struggled with Emma in the previous episode. Emma was released a 100 years before this book was released. Mm. And... A lot of the things that I had issues with in Emma, I had issues with now, which is just the meandering sentences that go on mm. for paragraphs. And whilst in Emma, this was mostly via dialogue In *To the lighthouse, it's just streams of consciousness. Mm. As you already said, apparently she was mm. a pioneer in this form of writing, and it was just not for me. No. It was... Almost incomprehensible. So many changes in like topics within like one sentence. It was really hard to follow. Yeah, no.
0: There was one point that I that I was sort of like, I just Mrs. Ramsey was talking, and then there were parentheses, and the parentheses were about a completely different character doing a completely different thing, and then it went back to Mrs. Ramsey. And I had to read it like five or six times to uh, actually understand that that was what was happening. Mm-hmm. Do I know even what the sentence was talking about? No. Um, and that's pretty much, yeah. That was the most sort of jarring instance, but I completely agree with you. It was just unreadable for me.
1: Yeah. There was even an instance at some point where she's, st- opens a parentheses, but then never seems to close it, which also confused me if this was just a typo in my edition or what is uh. happening here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, just, just no.
0: <laughs> it's interesting because I've just noticed, having pulled up the Goodreads page to read the blurb, Matt, who has been a guest on this podcast, Mm-hmm. Rated it at 4
1: out of 5. Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty highly rated overall. Yeah. But I think it's also very split. Like, there are some people who just think it's absolutely amazing. And then there are people who just hate it, kind of like us. Yeah. So, yeah, I think probably it's just a stylistic thing for me. Mm. But also... I mean, ten chapters in, not much had really happened, so I suppose it's more character-driven. it's still the same
0: day, even.
1: Yeah, even probably the same hour, or I don't know how much time has gone by, to be honest, but very, very slow, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and yeah, I don't know if I care enough about any of the characters at this point to want to keep reading and find out what happens. Yep. But I'm very happy for you to tell me what happens.
0: <laughs>
1: so, Emma, I might pick up at some point, but I will not be picking this up again.
0: No, it was it was a struggle to even get to. You had read ahead of me and mm-hmm. said where you were. And mm-hmm. so I said, okay, I'll go there. And even that was a struggle. Mm. And this is very much not like Emma. With Emma, I just felt like I didn't have enough time. Whereas with this, obviously, now on maternity leave got all the time in the world, and I still just like, I'd pick it up and just go, do I really have to do this? (laughs) Uh, Yeah.
1: And it's a, it's a relatively short book. I think it's only 200 pages. Mm. So I also thought, you know, I'll pick it up on Wednesday. We usually record on Thursday. It should be perfectly manageable to read in two days. In the end, we decided to postpone to Friday. Because we were both struggling with it, but we thought, okay, we'll try, persevere. But then, yeah, yesterday we were like, just we just can't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would rather be reading literally anything else than yeah. this book.
0: Yeah, that was exactly. It. I was. I, I. did. I even said to you, "Life's too short." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And
1: I apologize beforehand to any Virginia Wolf fans, you know, for completely roasting on this book. But I think we've, at least I personally have been trying to be a bit more proactive, let's say, about finishing or not finishing books that I'm just not enjoying. Mm. And it's a little bit disappointing that it happened two weeks in a row for the podcast. But like you said, life is too short. There are millions of other books out there. So if if we're just not enjoying it, why torture ourselves?
0: And I think, I don't know, I don't know, because obviously I didn't read the rest of the book, but I don't imagine that there would have been anything that would have happened that would have changed my opinion of it either. Mm -hmm. Whereas sometimes you do struggle and struggle and struggle, and then something happens that redeems it. Yeah. But because I think it was the style rather than the story, I don't know that that would have happened for me. Agreed. So... Do we want to go through the characters? Um, yes. We, we yeah, let's do it. But I, I, even though it's just this massive stream of consciousness, I still don't know that I really know very much about any of them. Mm-hmm. That could just be my own comprehension. But let's do a few of them. There's a couple of things that I did pick out that mm-hmm. were quite interesting. Okay. So do you want to tell us about Mrs. Ramsey?
1: Yes, so Mrs. Ramsey is one of the main characters. She's 50 years old, and the story is basically about her family. So her and Mr. Ramsey, her husband, are in Scotland on holiday. They have eight children together, and Mrs. Ramsey is the matriarch. And it's I don't know if they run a bed and breakfast or what it is that they do, but they seem to have a lot of house guests as well. In any case, Mrs. Ramsey is very maternal. She kind of has this need to be liked by other people. She's very supportive of her husband. To the point where she feels like perhaps she's too supportive and she doesn't want people to think that her husband depends on her too much. She has this kind of world view of a woman's place in society. She urges women to get married and have children. And she's a bit of a matchmaker, kind of like how Emma was in the previous novel that we read. She is described as being very beautiful. Most of the characters that we meet seem to be infatuated by her beauty. That is all I have written down.
0: I mean, I can't disagree with any of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's she's very much a character of her time. You know, her sort of her knowing a woman's place thing. I'm not sure how accurate it is, but I maybe it was a little outdated for the time, given that you know women were working and going to going to get higher education and whatnot. But she is very much just. Her only role in life is to be the supporting figure behind all of these great men and to encourage the woman to do the same thing, which it will become as no surprise to anybody isn't something that really sits very well Mm -hmm. with me and many other modern Mm -hmm. women. But it was quite interesting, I suppose, from the stream of consciousness point of view, getting that sort of trying to, her wanting to be supportive of her husband, but also not wanting people to realize that. I'm not sure that I've necessarily come across that before. In general, I found her
1: to be quite an interesting character. I agree with you in the sense of, you know, this view that she has of what her place or other women's place in society is, We've said it before on the podcast. This is not something that we fully agree with as modern women. But I almost feel like I understand it in this case because, I mean, she is 50 years old and she has eight children, the youngest of which is six. So, you know, raising eight kids is no easy feat. Mm -hmm. So I can understand why she is at home, because who else is going to raise these children? I don't know if we're ever told explicitly how old her oldest child is, but I don't know, let's say they're a teenager, 15 to 18 years old, so from the from her 30s to her 50s, she's been either pregnant or nursing or, <laughs> you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it, I get the feeling that she she feels like she wants to do more, but just doesn't have the time and the energy to devote to it. So she she does think about, you know, maybe once the youngest children are at school and I'll have more time, I can devote my efforts to social change. Um, she has this thought about how, how incredible it is that there is no hospital close to where they're staying, how the milk that they receive in London is brown because it's so dirty so up. evidently the, the factories wherever the milk is produced is not up to scratch. So these are things that she would like to improve but she just doesn't have the time to dedicate to it. So I found her quite relatable in that way.
0: Yeah I think my my issue is less with what she's doing because I agree with you who who could have the time to do something else as well as raising all those children and having house guests and having a needy husband. Mm. I think my, my issue is more about her attitude to her husband and he, you know, he is above everybody else and he must be made to feel good at all times because he's, he's fragile or whatever, but people must not know that that's what, what the case is. You know, they must think that he is, he is this strong Mm. man who doesn't, who doesn't need support. Mm. I think that's my, that's my gripe, but. And I wonder to what extent
1: that's, you know, a social commentary of, Mm. you you know, you have the saying behind every great man is a great woman. So yes, all these men who are in quotation marks geniuses, as Mr. Ramsey is perceived to be, he is very insecure. Mm. And he needs to be assured of his geniusness all the time. So mm-hmm. it kind of falls to her to do that to be that supportive woman behind him and just yeah. keep telling him yes, yes, honey, you're you're amazing <laughs> at everything you do.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, and I suppose, you know, probably it is true that a lot of uh, I don't know. Probably there is some truth to it. I'll just I'll just leave it there.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Cool. So, Mr. Ramsey, he's a professor of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And he's written some books, although we find out through her, Mrs. Ramsey's musings that perhaps his latest books are not doing as well as his previous books had been doing. And he spends an amount of time sort of pacing up and down, uh, reflecting on things. He's not particularly nice to his youngest child, James, who is wants to go visit the lighthouse. And he basically says, no, you can't, because the weather's not going to be good tomorrow. And is very blunt about it, rather than being sort of encouraging. Or, I don't know, you know, trying to lessen the blow. Mm-hmm. If the weather truly is going to be awful. And he also, at one point she tells him to go get involved with the older kids' game. I can't remember what they're playing. I think they're playing cricket. Cricket, yeah. And um, he he doesn't, he just kind of goes. And I don't really, I didn't really understand where exactly he went. But there was like a jump between where she told him to do it and then he was looking at this bush (laughs) outside the (laughs) window again. So, yeah, he seems to be quite absorbed in his own sort of preoccupation with figuring out something to do with life. Mm -hmm. I found him a bit confusing. I, yeah, have very little to say
1: about him in particular, I was also quite confused by him, especially by his stream of consciousness. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be a very, you know, intellectual man. As you said, a philosopher, he goes, he gives lectures in different colleges. And he is, from my understanding, also preoccupied with the thought of, you know, how will he be remembered if he is even remembered at all? What sorts of Mostly men are remembered in history. He keeps referencing Shakespeare as, you know, a very famous man who stood the test of time, I suppose. Whilst at the same time acknowledging that, I suppose, our time on Earth is just so brief, such a blink. Like, even the rock will last longer than Shakespeare or the memory of Shakespeare. I found him... Like, I couldn't really empathize with him. I found him to be quite annoying. This, you know, the way that he just kind of barges in when it's clear that his wife is, you know, reading to their youngest child and they're spending time together and he's he comes in with his wounded ego and he's like, oh, nobody loves me, woe is me, and just monopolizes her attention, seemingly like the ninth child in the house. So, yeah, I found him to be not a very sympathetic, empathetic character. Mm. I don't know where his story will go. I don't know if I really care. His stream of consciousness about the letters of the alphabet was the (laughs) most confusing thing I think I've ever read. And bear in mind, we read Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. (laughs)
0: True. Yeah, I, I just, I'd completely erase that from my memory until you have just reminded me, like, uh, most people can't get up to the letter Q. And maybe I can, but what comes after Q? Like, what? What?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I read that three or four times trying, like, am I missing something? Is there, <laughs> what is the hidden metaphor here? Is Q supposed to signify like, you know each letter is like a year of your life or a le- a year of your career and or is it mm-hmm. are there things in philosophy that each letter represents and you've reached q and that makes you a great philosopher, or what is happening is yeah. This, oh, yeah, um, even Sparknotes couldn't tell me what that's supposed to <laughs> what that was supposed to mean so
0: <laughs> amazing i am um, so I my I read it on Kindle mm-hmm. and you had said the end of chapter 10 or 30% roughly.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And on my Kindle that says it's only 17% of the book. So I spent quite a lot of time, like to the point where I even went back page by page by page to check which chapters I'd actually read. To see if the book was missing chapters, which is also why I was so confused about what the hell was going on. Okay, but no, I'm I'm imagined probably at the end of this edition. There's some you know long thing about Virginia Woolf or To the Lighthouse or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and that's the reason for it. But I was so confused that I was genuinely like, there must be chapters missing. Something must be wrong with the edition that I'm reading, Mm -hmm. not the novel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But no, it was it was just confusion caused by things like that where it was like what am i missing here yeah what did you think
1: of him as a character
0: i didn't really like him and i think i james the child who was the youngest one is one of the main the, uh, one of the first characters that we're introduced to because he's the one who wants to go to the lighthouse and he's very upset when he's told by mr ramsay and mr tansley mm-hmm that the weather will be bad. And so I was quite sympathetic to him. And he obviously had a problem with his dad coming in and interrupting the reading of the, I think it's the fisherman's wife or something along those lines. Yeah. I think I was also partly swayed by the fact that the child clearly did not like him. And then also just not really having any particular feeling towards him otherwise.
1: Yeah, you're right. And it's interesting how that can happen because the novel starts off from kind of James's, well, not really James's point of view, but so they're in the kitchen or wherever and they're talking about how if the weather is fine, they will go to the lighthouse and her son is so incredibly happy about this. And then, yeah, the dad comes in and he's like, well, probably it won't be fine. And you have this line, I'm going to, I hope you don't mind, I'm going to read it out because it's quite visceral. So James basically is thinking, had there been an axe handy, a poker, or any weapon that would have gashed a hole in his father's breast and killed him, there and then, James would have seized it. Yeah. So it's it's not just that he dislikes his father, it seems like he just hates him. (laughs) Yeah. Of course, this could just be, you know, the extreme emotion of a six-year-old in the moment, but it seems to come back again and again how very negatively James views his father. And I read, I think it was on Sparknotes, some, you know, somebody's interpretation of this, that apparently Virginia Woolf had been, what's the word? inspired, or she'd read about, you know, Freud's main theory about the Oedipus complex
0: mm. and
1: the child's love, mostly a, a male child's love for their mother and therefore hatred of their father, and apparently this is what she was trying to bring it into the book as mm. well. I don't know how true that is, but there you go. That's yeah, an interpretation. Yeah, it is interesting. Mm.
0: Because you know if it was if it's a very autobiographical book which it does seem to be you might think that w- the view of the child might be her view of the father mm-hmm. but actually she is recorded as saying that her father was her favorite parent so it's it's an interesting sort of juxtaposition i suppose between between that that theory and her true feelings about her own father I read the same
1: but at the same time I f- think I remember a few paragraphs after that on Wikipedia there was mentioned that she also had quite negative feelings towards her father whom she saw as being quite tyrannical so mm, yeah maybe I don't it know is
0: a bit of both or Yeah
1: I mean I suppose everyone's emotions towards their parents are highly complex <laughs> yeah so
0: yes for sure <laughs> Interesting. So, what did you think of Mister Tamsley? So, Mister Tamsley is one of the
1: people staying at the house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is he a colleague of Mister Ramsay, or how do they know each other?
0: I th- I think either a colleague or an admirer. Mm. I'm not really sure. I th- I I got the impression that they don't run a B and B. It's like, sh- it's Mrs. Ramsay just sort of takes in strays who need help, so I I got the impression that all of their guests are sort of in need of financial assistance or some other kind of emotional support, mm-hmm. and so I'm not really sure exactly how he knows them, but it is definitely he hero-worships Mr. Ramsay, yeah. and he's rather down on heel, down on his heel, I don't know if that's the right expression, but...
1: Yeah, so he's a bit of an intellectual himself. He looks up to Mr. Ramsey, and he seems to be infatuated by Mrs. Ramsey. He finds her very beautiful. He wants to carry her back for her when they go for a walk, all this kind of stuff. I don't really have many thoughts about him. He's kind of viewed as a negative character by most of the family. Mrs. Ramsey herself doesn't particularly like him. But she tries to instill, you know, politeness and respect in her children towards him, whilst herself being kind of annoyed by him. It feels like he spends most of his time sucking up to Mr. Ramsey and just agreeing with everything that Mr. Ramsey says, including, you know, dashing poor little James's hopes of going to the lighthouse by agreeing that, no, for sure, the weather will be horrible tomorrow, so you won't be able to go.
0: And it seems that he... Once he takes up an idea like that, he really drives it home. So while Mr. Ramsay may say, you know, once or twice, no, we can't go, Mr. Tansley continues to say it and continues to be um, contradictory about what other people want. And I think at some point there's reference to the fact that he does that with everything. So if you start talking about something, mm-hmm. he will find a way to be completely contradictory about it and to come up with the completely opposite viewpoint. But uh, again, same thing. I I think we've sort of buried the lead here by talking about Mrs. Ramsay first because she's the one that I have the most to talk about. (sighs) All the other characters are kind of peripheral. Like You have
1: uh, this man called Augustus who's also staying there. He used to be a poet... I think he's a an opium addict now.
0: Mm-hmm. He
1: had a bad marriage and he's staying at the lighthouse oh sorry, not the lighthouse, but at their house. And Mrs. Ramsey is hurt and kind of confused why he's quite cold towards her. So that's all we really know about him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then there's Lily Briscoe and William Banks. They're not staying at the house, from what I gather. They live in the village. Lily is a young woman. She likes to paint. William Banks is... I suppose also a relatively young man. He used to be quite close friends with Mr. Ramsay when they were younger, but now views him in a bit of a negative light. He thinks he's a bit of a hypocrite. He doesn't like the fact that he's always seeking validation. And he seems to be also enraptured by Mrs. Ramsey. Mrs. Ramsey seems to hang the moon every night, too, (laughs) for everyone involved, including possibly Lily.
0: Yes. So that's the one thing that I did like. The one thing that I did like about these 10 chapters Mm -hmm. is that I think that there was some kind of feeling from Lily towards Mrs. Ramsey which when I then read that Virginia Woolf had relationships with women, I was like, well, that all makes sense. Because that was kind of the main vibe that I was getting from Lily was how they were both admiring, Tansley and Lily were both admiring Mrs. Ramsay through the window. So I thought that that was really interesting and, and probably quite pro- progressive to include something like that. Yeah, it's... Um...
1: I think it was even stated somewhere, point blank.
0: Something about infatuation, right?
1: It's something about her loving Mrs. Ramsey. Yeah. But then, like, loving Mrs. Ramsey and loving this way of life. So it, it's not 100% clear to me if this is supposed to be a romantic love or just love of what Mrs. Ramsey represents or just generally the time that they spent together. In Scotland, Mm. but yes, I also personally read some romantic undertones. Did you read about If That Goes Anywhere?
0: I didn't. Shall I do the spoilers now? Sure, I think we've
1: covered pretty much everyone.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. The the children are referenced in some way, but not apart from James, we never really find out too much about any of them. Mm-hmm. So the first the first part of the book it's in three parts, and the first book is called Through the Window, mm-hmm. and it's it's this whole we want to go to the lighthouse, but we're not going to, and it addresses all of the all of the sort of tensions between the adults essentially, and then it follows with a section called Time Passes and we look at the First World War where one of the children dies as does one of the children dies in the First World War another one dies due to complications in childbirth and Mrs. Ramsey dies as well so the second part of it sort of looks at it from Mr. Ramsey being completely set adrift without his rock there to look after him. And then the third part is some years later, I think possibly ten years after after the first part, and it's mostly about the fact that they do finally make it to the lighthouse, so Mr. Ramsey and James and one of the other children go to the lighthouse and the two children have been sort of bullied into going by Mr. Ramsay. They don't feel that they're ready to following the death of their mother. Um. So it starts off as sort of they resent him for doing it or for making making them do it. And then something redeeming happens. It doesn't say exactly what in the summary that I read, but both of the children start to admire their father for whatever reason and then lily also comes back and she completes the painting that she's working on in the first part and realizes that she is less worried about leaving behind a great painting that people would will admire and is more concerned with just being able to put down what she visualises. Because I think in the first chapter, she's sort of looking at it and going, in the first part, she's looking at her painting and going, well, if I'd done it in the pastels that are sort of the the thing of the time, then this would be viewed better. And she's very concerned that people, especially Charles Tansley, don't criticise her too much because women aren't painters. Mm -hmm. But then towards the end of the book, she realises that it doesn't matter. The art is what's important to her, and not the perception of it. So, yeah, it seems like it could be quite interesting. Mm. But again, having read having read the summary, <laughs> I wasn't any more enticed to actually read the book. I kind of am actually. It sounds. Are you?
1: Yeah, but I don't think I will simply because of the way that it's written.
0: That's exactly my problem as well. I feel like if it was written in any other way, I would be quite keen. Yeah. But it, there has been, unfortunately, not a recent televised adaptation. There's a 1983 adaptation, which was a film for television. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there've been a number of audio dramas and operas. Oh based on it but to be quite honest I wouldn't probably be raring to go watch an opera no despite (laughs) having studied A-level music and therefore (laughs) supposedly understanding opera I think that would just make me even less keen (laughs) but I was thinking you know if there was a good tv adaptation I would be quite keen to watch it but I don't even know how easy it is to get hold of films that old these days
1: I saw that one of her other novels mrs dalloway has just been adapted into i don't know if it's a film or if it's a if it's a show coming out either either this year or early next year okay but yeah i mean based on what you've told me about what happens it sounds interesting and it sounds yeah if it's just been written in any other way
0: yeah
1: i think i would have stuck with it and i think i would have actually really enjoyed it these things are you know, human emotions and grief and love and all these mm. things are, are things I like reading about. Yeah. Um, and I think it would have had quite an impact on me. But I just...
0: I think especially the fact that Mrs. Ramsey dies, mm. you know, I think it's very unusual for the main protagonist in a book to, to, to be not, you know, present at the end of the book.
1: And I mean, as negative as we've been towards Mr. Ramsey... I think I would have fully empathised with him by the end. Mm. You know, his realisation that he... How much he depended on his wife and... Of course it depends on how it was written, I suppose. That's a shame.
0: I think it probably would be quite interesting because the kind of resentment that James has towards his father, seeing how their relationship had progressed through the war and through losing... Mrs. Ramsay and two siblings, it would have been very interesting to see how that redemption <laughs> happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so... Hmm. I'm disappointed. Me too.
1: Oh well, what can we do? Yeah, not a lot. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is there anything else that you wanted to mention that you picked up on?
0: Uh the actual lighthouse is called Godrivi Lighthouse, the one that it was based on. Uh that's In St Ives, the one that they saw from their from their holiday home, but there's really nothing there's really nothing else. I'm really hoping that the next book <laughs> is readable <gasps> yeah. because it's been quite upsetting. Mm. I'm not somebody who often labels a book as do not finish. Yeah, I hadn't been either until
1: until this year. So the the reason that they want to go to the lighthouse is because they want to visit the man who works at the lighthouse and like provide for his children or something?
0: No, it sounds like so the sentence this is from Wikipedia. Mr. Ramsey finally plans on taking the long-delayed trip to the lighthouse. I so know. the lighthouse trip never happens, by the sounds of it.
1: Yes, but originally, why did they want to go to
0: the lighthouse? Um, oh, I think, yes, Mrs. Ramsey wants to give the lighthouse keeper a pair of stockings that she's knitted for his son. Mm. And James just wants to go and see this romantic lighthouse. Okay. Yeah, do a, do a bit of an adventure, I suppose, whilst you're on holiday. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I don't have anything else to say. I am impressed we've managed to talk about it for nearly an hour because because I was really not... Um, I I. would be quite glad to put it down and not think about it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: I had to read chapter summaries online mm. to be able to actually remember or understand much of what was going on it was also like the structure and the pacing was a bit weird because some chapters seemed to go on for ages and ages and ages and then you had one chapter that was just one paragraph or like one line of dialogue so like why (laughs) yeah I was even thinking when we said that we wouldn't finish it to try and keep going until the end of the first part so I was flicking through, okay, how many more chapters, how many more pages does it actually require for us to read? And when I saw that it was maybe another 50, 60 pages, I was like, no, I oh. <laughs> just can't.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I actually did read 11 chapters because I, I missed the chapter marker for chapter 11, so I didn't realise that I had actually reached the end of the required reading. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. So what happened in oh, chapter
1: God. eleven then? What was the That was the fallout of Mrs. Ramsay kind of considering Oh children will always remember like the disappointments from childhood or something?
0: Yeah, something along those lines. She's basically just knitting and James has been put to bed and she's she's having a muse about all of that. And then I think Mr. Tansley comes back into the room or I'll i be really honest with you, I really don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. There's a lot of knitting, that's the bit that I picked up on. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Okay, so maybe
1: that's enough about this book, but I'm curious, you mentioned um, when we were originally saying that we didn't finish this and that they, it had no redeeming qualities that would make you want to continue reading, you said that there are sometimes... Or there have been books that, you know, it's boring, it's boring, but then something happens and it kind of redeems it. Do you have an example of when this
0: happened? I think you made a fall of death with your beauty for me. I think we had differing opinions of it. You quite enjoyed the first bit, but not the last bit, whereas I was the opposite. Mm-hmm. I preferred the the second half to the first half. I'm trying to think of what I've read recently. I feel like there have been a couple recently. Let me have a look at my Goodreads. So, Passing by Nella Larson, which I read in between a couple of podcast books, that was one about a, a black woman in America who had light enough skin that she could pass. And the whole thing was sort of the the relationship between her and somebody she'd been to school with. And the one that she went to school with had been passing for her whole life, basically, since since she'd, like, disappeared from the town where they all grew up in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then they encountered each other later on in life. And with that one, I almost completely didn't finish it. I think I I got through maybe 25% of it, and then I was really thinking... I'm not interested. And then I was driving somewhere. I can't remember exactly where. And it just came on and I thought, well, I'll give it another go. And and I I think I even sat in the car because it was on audiobook. Um, I think I even just sat in the car waiting for it to finish because I found it so compelling by the end. Hmm. And that was because I think partly it went from being quite a slow plot that didn't seem to be going anywhere to suddenly the plot became very interesting because she ended up, I think, getting invited to a, a tea at this woman's house and she suddenly realised that none of the woman's friends knew that she was black and all of the intrigue that sort of came along with that. So I think if the plot changes enough or something interesting enough happens, I... I'm very happy to continue reading it. But the issue with this book was not necessarily the slowness of the plot because we have managed to get through slow books before. It was just how difficult it was to read. Fair enough. I'm trying to think of
1: an equivalent for me. I can't. I can't think of one off the top of my head. Most Mm. of the ones that I've not finished this year some of which i even got to like 60% so i would say i got you know quite far but i would just end up not finishing it because it was just boring or mm. for me for me most of it is not the style this is the i think this is the first time it's been the style that it's written in that i couldn't continue mm. usually it's if the plot is really just not interesting or I'm really not understanding what's going on. Sometimes it's, I don't like any of the characters or it feels a bit over the top or really naive. So, but I can't think of one where I was not liking it and then something flipped and I really enjoyed it in the end.
0: It's it's really interesting. I've got a couple of books um, which have been on my, you know, I'm currently reading for long time one of them since february but they are there are more reference books so one of them is kind of wills great grandfather was a resistance fighter in the second world war and he used to he used to help jews get out of i think germany via the spanish alps and he eventually got caught and sent to a concentration camp And the it's stylistic for me that is making that so difficult to read because it's written by an academic. So it's not really... I've read other sort of reference books that are easier to read. So there's that for that one and then there's another one which is also, again, historical and it's about the Jacobites. And that's... It's the uprisings in scotland that happened in the 1700s which is a because of the outlander series a period of time that i'm really interested in Mm -hmm. but again that one it's less about the style and more just about the fact that the font is really tiny (laughs) so i'm finding it really difficult to just read physically whereas normally i think i think possibly because i read so quickly I don't normally immediately skip to I'm not going to finish this book because I'm, in, I'm interested enough to know what happens in the end most of the time. I think the only other one that we've done for the podcast that I was seriously considering can I actually finish this was Foundation.
1: <laughs> yes. True.
0: Okay. Well, I hope
1: that the book I have picked for next time Will not fall into the same category, but I'm... Fingers crossed. You know, I'm really worried now. But the book that we are reading for next episode is Journey to the Center of the Earth by Gilles Verne, who was a French novelist. So it should be sci-fi, but like old sci-fi. Mm. So it came out in 1864.
0: Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. I've heard a lot about this book and never read it.
1: Me too. I I know of him as an author, Mm. and I know that he's written a lot of these kinds of books. But I don't think I've actually read any of them. No. Um, Andreas quite likes him, though, as an author. What else has he written? He wrote Around the World in 80 Days. Okay. Um, 20,000 Leagues Under the Seas. I think he also did something about Journey to the Moon. I don't know if that's the actual mm. name of the book, but it's about trying to fly to the moon. Obviously, wow. 100 years before it actually happened. So
0: Interesting. Well, wow. Yeah. How exciting.
1: Yes. So we will discuss more about him, and I'm really curious about him and as a person as well. Because I know next to nothing.
0: No, me neither. And I don't normally do the research until after I've read the book. So, mm. yeah, it be interesting to find out. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool, cool. I hope we have not disappointed our readers too much, but these things happen.
1: Might reach out to Matt and ask him, Why four stars, Matt?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's quite interesting because Matt... Although we both really loved the book that he recommended t- to us for the podcast, which I think was, I can't remember the name of it. Convenience store woman. Convenience store woman. That's the one. He also recommended Piranesi to us, and he said he loved it so much that he read it in one sitting. And I think we both struggled with it a bit more than that.
1: Yes, actually, you you know, now that you bring it up, maybe that was a book where. I was kind of struggling at the beginning and ended up really enjoying it by the end.
0: Mm, so interesting.
1: But I feel like Matt kind of also likes to challenge himself
0: with the books that he reads. Yeah. I feel like his English literature competency is higher than either of ours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I'll ask him. Lovely doubly. Well.
1: Well, we managed to go for over an hour. So, yeah,
0: excellent. Good for us. Good for us, <laughs> exactly. Beautiful. Well, thank you for discussing this book with me. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry it was a bad pick, but... It's okay, these things happen. You never know. And I will see you next week for the next one. See you next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about us and the podcast, visit our website at readingmaterialspodcast.com. We also publish additional content, including blog posts around the world of books and our thoughts on the topic. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at reading.materials.podcast at gmail.com, or find us on Instagram at readingmaterialspod. Until next time, keep reading.